48K News. It's one o'clock. I'm Sean Kennedy. The headlines. The chief executive says people shouldn't be too hard on three officials who had a free hot pot meal at a private club and confirms that all election committee candidates will have to declare if they or their spouse hold a foreign or BNO passport. And a top epidemiologist warns it's still too early for Hong Kong to think about opening up travel bubbles. The chief executive, Carrie Lam, insists no further action should be taken against three senior officials who had a free hot pot meal at a private club in March, saying people shouldn't be too harsh on them. The three were fined for breaching the four-person gathering ban, but further questions have been raised over whether they broke civil service protocols for taking part in so-called lavish entertainment. But Mrs Lam denied there was a blatant attempt to breach rules as the officials didn't know what they were going to eat and drink. There is no definition of what is a lavish dinner. There is no definition of what is uh, being unreasonable. At the end of the day, it's a matter of judgment. But I would say this, uh, it would be too harsh to say that no public officers could attend social gathering. I hope you will not go to that extreme to suggest that uh, since you are a public official, you should not go to any social gathering uh, when invited. Roundtable lawmaker Michael Teen disagrees and says the government should spell out when officials should decline a free meal that exceeds a certain amount. The pro-Beijing lawmaker also said the government should disclose more details about the hot pot dinner and the nature of the gathering. The chief executive also confirmed that election committee candidates will have to declare whether or not they and or their spouse owns a foreign or BNO passport. Mrs Lamb said this was in line with an electoral reform law passed in May and that one of the provisions in the decisions made by the National People's Congress was to ensure there's a well-instituted system to review the eligibility of the candidates. She spoke to reporters ahead of an executive council meeting today. In the process of collating the information, of course, we need the information from the individual because that is a first-hand information that any candidate who wants to be a member of the election committee has to provide some information about his own personal particulars, about other things that we need to know. And this is very basic. We, we want to know about the spouse of the candidate as well. And we ask whether you have another nationality or whether you are in possession of a BNO passport. So these are all collated for the purpose of the uh, review by the Candidate Eligibility Review Committee. The Candidate Eligibility Review Committee will meet later this week. Mrs Lam also urged the University of Hong Kong to act against student leaders who passed a motion expressing sadness at a man's suicide after he stabbed a policeman on July the 1st. The HKU Student Union Council has since withdrawn and apologised for the motion, but Mrs Lam said the university management should follow the matter up and the police should also follow it up if it turned out the students had broken the law. A district court judge says he's considering heavy sentences on several men found guilty of wounding and rioting during the mob attacks at Yunlong MTR station on July 21, 2019. He described the attacks as indiscriminate, saying it seemed as if the assailants had lost their minds. Vicky Wong reports. Hearing mitigation from four defendants in the case, District Judge Eddie Yip said the men were not bad in nature but seemed to lose control that night. He said the indiscriminate attacks that took place on the station's platform were the most serious, with passengers of all ages under assault. Describing the scenes as saddening, the judge said people had no escape and some brave citizens could arm themselves only with what he said were unequal weapons. He said although one defendant pleaded guilty and apologised to victims, a heavy sentence may be required due to the seriousness of the case. Five of the defendants were found guilty of wounding and rioting last month, while two others earlier pleaded guilty. 
Mitigation is continuing for free defendants. Epidemiologist Benjamin Cowling has indicated the situation in Hong Kong is still too unstable to open up travel bubbles. Yesterday, the chief executive, Carrie Lam, said she was awaiting news from Beijing about resuming cross-border quarantine-free travel. But Professor Kowling from the University of Hong Kong School of Public Health said without a high vaccination rate, new coronavirus cases here or across the border would burst any bubbles. And that's going to be a little bit unstable because we could have periods of time where we can freely travel to and from the mainland and then periods of time where maybe we can't. And of course, the bubble may also burst from the other direction. We're aware of outbreaks of COVID in Guangzhou recently and in other cities in China as well. So in my opinion, a more sustainable strategy would be to get our vaccine coverage up to a high level and then we can reopen to the entire world. A pharmacist is urging the government to discuss buying extra COVID-19 vaccines from manufacturers so people can have booster shots as soon as possible. Timmy Sung reports. The president of the Society of Hospital Pharmacists, William Choi, has urged the government to discuss buying more vaccines as soon as possible, saying it's just a matter of time that people will need a booster shot. He told an RTHK program that the COVID antibodies in people who have had beyond 10 jobs should last only around six to nine months. He also said the government should purchase new vaccines that can guard against the more infectious Delta variant that is rapidly spreading around the world. It comes after BioNTech and Pfizer said they would seek regulatory authorization in the US and Europe for a third dose of their COVID-19 vaccine. Environmental group Greenpeace says it was surprised to find microplastics in half of eight popular countryside streams it tested. It says such water sources should be free of pollutants given that there are no nearby industrial activities. Water from Taipo Ng Tung Chai and Taichou stream in Taimo Shan recorded the highest levels. Campaigner Lian Tam suspects the surge in local visitors to the countryside during the pandemic could be to blame. Even find one microplastic particle in our samples, we think that is it unbelievable because for the countryside, you can see there is no industrial or any commercial activity. One of the samples is we got from the Thai Tam. It's an upstream of the reservoir. The water will flow to the reservoir, so it might enter our drinking system. If we just continuously uptake the microplastic, it might cause long-term effect to our home system. The United States has renewed its claim that China has committed genocide and crimes against humanity, against Uyghur Muslims and other minority groups in the Xinjiang region. The State Department's annual report on genocide and atrocities prevention accuses China of imprisonment, torture, forced sterilization and persecution and expressed concern about other countries. Speaking at the report's release, the American Secretary of State, Antony Blinken, said the U.S. wanted to see change. We'll use all of the tools at our disposal including diplomacy, foreign assistance, investigations and fact-finding missions, financial tools and engagements, reports like this one, which raise awareness and allow us to generate coordinated international pressure and response in a whole-of-government approach to preventing and mitigating atrocities around the globe. China denies the allegations. At least eight people have died after a hotel collapsed in Suzhou City in Jiangsu Province on Monday. State media say most people inside were guests at the Sishi Kaihuan Hotel. Some news reports said 14 people had so far been rescued, but several others were still missing. More than 600 people and, and 120 vehicles have been mobilised for the rescue effort. 
Overseas and a ceremony has been held in the Afghan capital, Kabul, to mark the departure from the office of the head of NATO's military mission. The U.S. General Scott Miller said the three-year assignment had been the highlight of his military career. One of the few U.S. generals to meet the Taliban, Mr. Miller reiterated the need for violence to end for any lasting peace. It's important that the military sides set the conditions for a peaceful and political settlement in Afghanistan. We can all see the violence that's taking place across the country, but we know that with that violence, that what is very difficult to achieve is a political settlement. The South African President Cyril Ramaphosa has urged people across the country to shun violence and stand firm against those who want to destabilise the nation. He was speaking after several days of violent protests sparked by the jailing of the former President Jacob Zuma. And I'd like to be clear, we will take action to protect every person in this country against the threat of violence, intimidation, theft and looting. We will not hesitate to arrest and prosecute those who perpetrate these actions and will ensure that they face the full might of our law. This is a clear instruction that I have given our security personnel. The French Health Minister Olivier Varane has warned that any healthcare workers who don't get a coronavirus vaccination won't be able to work and won't be paid. Earlier, President Emmanuel Macron announced that healthcare workers would have until September 15th to get vaccinated. Vaccination will be made compulsory without delay for nursing and non-medical staff in hospitals, clinics, retirement homes, establishments for the disabled and for all professionals or volunteers who work in contact with the elderly or the frail, including at home. Officials in southern Iraq say at least 52 people have been killed in a fire at a hospital treating coronavirus patients in the city of Nazaria. A spokesman from the health ministry said the victims died of burns at the Al Hussein Hospital. Here's the BBC's Steve Jackson. Footage shows the COVID isolation ward completely engulfed in flames and thick clouds of smoke billowing into the sky. Reporters saw emergency teams carrying charred bodies out of the building. Officials say the blaze has now been brought under control and a search operation is being carried out, but they say many patients are missing. Police at the scene suggested the fire may have been caused by an exploding oxygen tank. A similar blaze in Baghdad in April, which killed more than 80 people, was found to have been caused by a badly stored oxygen cylinder blowing up. A new study says smartphone and satellite technology can help indigenous communities in the Amazon to significantly curb deforestation. Here's the BBC's Matt McGrath. Despite governments now having satellite imagery showing where deforestation is taking place, getting that information into the hands of distant forest communities has been slow and to date ineffective. This new study attempted to change that by equipping indigenous villages in Peru with technology. A lack of internet access meant that couriers still had to bring in the latest satellite data by boat, while local monitors then used smartphones to verify the tree losses and decide on the best way of stopping them. Finance now, and a short time ago, the Hang Seng Index was at 28,026, 516 points up on the previous close. Turnover stands at $88 billion. Currencies and the US dollar stand is trading at 110.35 yen. The euro stands at 1 US dollar 18 cents. The pound is worth 10 Hong Kong dollars and 79 cents. 
Sport Now and former champion Zach Johnson is the latest high-profile golfer to withdraw from the Open after testing positive for COVID-19. Masters champion Hideki Mitsuyama and the two-time major winner Bubba Watson have also ruled themselves out of the 149th edition of the sport's oldest major tournament. The BBC's Ian Carter has more. Johnson is one of three players to withdraw today. The 2015 champion, like Louis de Jaeger, has tested positive for COVID, while American Ryan Moore is out with a back injury. Already, the reigning Masters champion, Hideki Matsuyama, and two-times Augusta winner, Bubba Watson, are among the withdrawals from this, the first Open in two years. Among the players who come into the field for the championship, which begins here on Thursday, is the Englishman, Sam Horsfield. Slovenia's Tadic Pogacar retains the yellow jersey ahead of the final week of cycling's Tour de France, leading his nearest rivals by more than five minutes. The BBC's Matt Warwick has more. A welcome second rest day on the Tour. If not to recharge, then to plan. Pogacar's rivals, such as Richard Carapaz and Rigoberto Uran, must wear him down in the Pyrenees before the 22-year-old excels in the deciding time trial. The only thing wearing down Britain's Mark Cavendish is the prospect of a record-breaking 35th stage win, something he says he has no real sentiment about. But a desire to win whatever the number and the abandonment of most of his rivals means there should be plenty for the fans to plan for in Paris. England's cricketers will look to claim a clean sweep of victories when they take on Pakistan in the third and final one-day international at Edgebaston in Birmingham. All-rounder Ben Stokes is captaining an inexperienced side picked after the entire senior team were forced to isolate because of a COVID outbreak. Stokes says he's been surprised by how well they've played. When I got sent through the squad, I read through and I was like, you know, even though this is, you know, a last-minute thing, we've still got a seriously strong and talented squad here. And I knew we'd be able to compete against Pakistan, but it'd be a lie to say that I'm surprised with how easily we've managed to do it. But um, you know, that, I think that's just credit to everyone who's, who's who's managed to turn up here and do that. You know, that's um, I think a um, a reflection on the mindset that you know England has when it comes to white ball cricket and just the modern day way of playing is just to go out and, and express yourself. Don't worry about the occasion and just be fearless. And um, you know, I think that's such a great thing to come out of the series is having inexperienced guys go out there perform on the big stage against um, a very experienced Pakistan, Pakistan team. The Athletes' Village has officially opened for the Tokyo Olympics 10 days before the Games begin. Some 18,000 competitors will stay on the site, which contains eight twenty-one residential buildings. And a quick look at the headlines. The chief executive says people shouldn't be too hard on three officials who had a free hotspot meal at a private club and confirms that all election committee candidates will have to declare if they or their spouse hold a foreign or B&O passport. And the weather, it'll be fine and very hot. Light winds and the outlook, mainly fine and very hot weather will persist in the next few days. A few showers towards the weekend and be aware the very hot weather warning is in force. Currently 34 degrees Celsius, humidity 61%. The news from RTHK. Everywhere we go we feel like we're strangers. On the other hand it makes us feel major. If they never knew then maybe they'll name ya. Don't let them change ya. When you finally find what's beautiful. So 
we go, we feel like we're strangers. On the other hand, it makes us feel major. If they never knew, then maybe they'll name ya. Don't let them change ya. When you finally find what's beautiful, it's so wonderful. On the other hand, it makes us feel major. If they never knew, then maybe they'll name ya. Don't let them change ya. When you finally find what's beautiful, it's so wonderful. Strangers. On the other hand, it makes us feel major. If they never knew, then maybe they'll name ya. Don't let them change ya. When you finally find what's beautiful, it's so wonderful. Good afternoon and welcome to the One Two Three Show with me, Noreen Mir, on this Tuesday afternoon. A very hot Tuesday afternoon. The very hot weather warning is in force, and it's 33 degrees Celsius right now. Tuesday, the 13th of July is today's date. Had to catch my breath there because it's so hot, even in the studio. Many thanks once again to Phil for this morning's uh, morning brew, and uh, we have a very busy program for you this afternoon to kick. Things off, we're going to be talking about young people and traditional Cantonese opera, and uh, in about ten minutes or so, we'll be chatting with Rosalie, who is a graduate from the Cantonese Opera Youth Academy of the Chinese Artists Association of Hong Kong, and we hope to bring you that interview via Facebook as well. So do join us there if you can. Uh, Noreen Mir on RTHK Radio Three. We'll be talking about are more young people interested in this traditional art form of Cantonese opera, and after the Two o'clock news. Tuesday reporter Andrew Dambina joins us for some global and local food news 